So my friends, we are reading today from uh, the parable discourse, which is the third of the five discourses in St. Matthew's Gospel, a collection of our Lord's parables. And today we have this one of the weeds and the wheat, which can be very helpful for us to reflect upon in a number of points. Um, So we have, it'd be good to almost think about this parable as like a sequel to last week, right? Last week we had that there was the the seed that was sown and, you know, even when the seed becomes good fruit, right, it takes root, that there still can be complications. And so we hear in the gospel today that someone sows seed and it, it's going well. And then in the night, when everyone's asleep, an enemy comes and sows. Our English word is weeds. Weeds aren't uh, the right, it's zizania in Greek. Uh, this would actually be like poison, right? These are poisonous crops. It's not just like annoying little weeds like you may have in a parking lot or a garden. Like, this is poison. The enemy came and sowed poison in the, um, in the field and then went away. Now, a detail that we may have missed and something to consider as we read this is when did the enemy come and do this? At night, when everyone was asleep. If you sow a field, and particularly at that time, you post a guard, right? The job of the servants is someone's on guard duty to be sure this exact thing doesn't happen. So when they get up and they're like, oh, hey, there's poison in our field. When did that happen? I don't know who slept through their guard duty, right? Who didn't get up in time to keep watch? I, anybody that has like a garden, right? Even the, the most elementary garden, like, put a fence around it so the local deer don't eat it for some stupid little tomatoes, right? And then this, it's like, this is your livelihood. And someone came and sold poison in it because no one was paying attention. The first level we can reflect upon this with is our own soul, right? So this can happen with our soul, that we stop being watchful, that God has sown good things in our soul, and at a certain point, we fall asleep. We just kind of check out. We go on a spiritual vacation where we just stop being attentive. And when that happens, it's very easy for the devil, who here is the enemy, to sow weeds, to sow poison in the midst of our good souls. And so all of a sudden, some of our good practices of prayer fall away. And I pick up some bad habits that distract me. And so now I don't have time to pray because of that. And what we shouldn't do if that happens is abolish the whole thing. So I use the example a lot because it's usually what's most on my mind of like being on a diet, right? I, I think I said it two weeks ago, like I, I gained some good vacation weight. And when it comes to a diet, what I'll end up doing is I'll try something. I won't like it. I'll fail once, and then I quit the whole thing, right? And we could do that with our souls, that we try, you know, we make some good progress, but then all of a sudden, through a moment of a lack of watchfulness, of falling asleep, we lose some of our good momentum, and maybe some bad habits spring up. And then you just want to quit the whole thing, rip it all up. And that's exactly what our Lord says we shouldn't do. So that's with regard to the level of our souls. But... On a deeper level or on a wider scale, we can see this with regard to society and in a particular way, the church. 
that the devil is always, always, always trying to sow confusion and the poison of sin in the midst of the church. And oftentimes he's successful in one way or another, never overcoming the church altogether, but still just messing up what was a really good thing, right? With the church, we've got a really good thing here. And the devil can't let that happen. So the devil tries to sow confusion and discord and sin into the midst of the church community. And to one degree or another is successful in big and small ways. And so we need to be very aware of this and aware that that's the tactic of the devil, to sow the confusion, to sow the discord, so that the church, which should be unified, we'll come back to that, is we're against each other, that we turn against each other in the church. Now, just like with our own, just like those, those servants, right? Oh, wait a minute, there's confusion in the church. There's discord, there's lack of harmony, there's sin. How did that happen, right? And there's some, maybe bishops and priests in particular, that like to make themselves feel better by just getting up on a Sunday or getting on social media and calling all of you people sinners, right? I will feel so, I've done my job. If I could just call you a sinner and go, and you know, if we could just condemn all these things and want to kick people out of church, but hey, who was asleep on guard duty? Right? Who's the one that let these things spread in the first place? And so before we issue any kind of condemnations, corrections, things like that, I think each one of us, and this isn't just the church, it may be our own family, it may be our sector of society, like who was asleep in the first place to let this start? Who was the one that could have said something much earlier on, but now this has snowballed? And so, and particularly with regard to confusion in the church, Many times it's the pastors, the shepherds, who didn't say anything, who preached a watered-down version of the truth, who didn't actually share the fullness of the gospel, both the doctrinal and the moral teaching of the church, and were asleep when they were supposed to be on guard duty. And so, of course, the devil comes and sows that. And that may happen to each one of us. If we want to say, maybe, yeah, maybe I was asleep when my friend started down that bad path and I didn't say anything, right then and there. And now it's gotten worse and worse. And, you know, I was asleep when I should have been paying attention and watching out and keeping everyone safe. So the first step when we see confusion and error and sin in the midst of the church and in the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ is to first acknowledge that we're not guiltless. First of all, we're those same sinners. Second, we maybe didn't act when we should have. And we haven't presented the full truth of the gospel. We haven't shared it. You know, this is a particular thing uh, that we can say, we can judge people for not going to church on Sunday, particularly those of us that are here this Sunday, right? We judge all those people that stopped going to church. But where were we presenting them the love of the Eucharist and the love of the gospel and the love of the mass to make them want to come to church? So that it, you don't have to be forced to go to church, but that this is the love of the Mass. And how do we teach and instill the love of our Lord in that? So we're not without guilt. But then when we see that error, we see that confusion, what do we do? 
Our world is infected with a spirit of just contentious partyism, where you're that party, I'm this party, right? You're this group, I'm this group, and if you don't agree with me and this whole list of things, you're dead to me, right? Get out of here. I don't want... And that can even affect the church. And this spirit of division in the church, where it's one side against another, where it's if you don't like the Mass the way that I like the Mass, and if you don't like this, or if you don't do this, then that division in the church, that's from the devil. That is not of Jesus Christ. And so we have to call it what it is. And yes, there's sin. Yes, there's error. There is objective right and wrong, and there are people um, who are, in one way or another, uh, living in a way that's not acknowledging that, or are not living according to the natural moral law, particularly with regard to the moral teaching of the church, or don't believe the full doctrinal teachings of the church, and those are errors. But we, we, while we may hate the error, the person who holds them, right? We, there's a saying, you, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. And we want to welcome each and every person back. And the answer is not to just say, hey, you sinners who believe this or who do that, get out of here. You're not welcome in our church. That's not the answer. That's absolutely not the solution. But rather to begin slowly walking one by one, right, together, trying to find redemption in Jesus Christ. Uh, we don't want to just boot people out of our church, and we don't want this spirit of contention and division. This is particularly, particularly bad on social media, where, look, I don't, like, someone posts something I don't like, and so I'm going to make a comment about it, right? Nobody, I probably can be 98% sure, nobody has been converted through snarky social media comments, ever, right? But I'm going to say it to make myself feel better and to show that I'm not on your side, right? Okay, that's not the church of Jesus Christ. That's not the unity that our Lord prays for. Rather than posting something snobby or snarky on someone's social media, we should pray first pray for them. And if they're in error, then we pray that they see the light of truth. And then we gently, if we're in that role in their life, if we have a role of friendship and of trust, we can gently offer a correction. We could try to say, like, yeah, I, you know, can I explain this to you in a different way? Do you realize maybe that what you're saying is, is confusing to people? We can say that, we can gently, or do you realize what you're saying is uncharitable and that you're making assumptions and you're leading people to rash judgment? If we're in a place to do that, we can slowly and gently lead people back. The devil sows division and confusion. The answer is the church of Jesus Christ, which should be unified. That we in the church are meant, we belong, we believe in, we're going to pray in the creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, which in the Latin is unam sanctam catholicam et apostolicam ecclesiam. Unam, unified, one church. There should be unity in the church. And when it's brother against sister, mother against father in the church. How destructive is that? That when we want to turn our church into you believe, you're belong to this party and I belong to that party. No, that's not the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed about the apostles that they may be one 
as you, Father, in me, and I am in you, that they may be perfectly one. And so we in the church want unity. First, the unity of charity, that we should authentically love one another. Even if someone is wrong about something, it starts with charity. Not trying to just prove that they're wrong, but loving them. The unity of charity. I love you. I can, legit- I can legitimately say that I love you, right? Before offering any correction, we have to love. The unity of charity. Then, the unity, we are united, charity always in truth. And so we want each other, out of love, to hold the same truth. If you don't believe Jesus God, if that's where you are right now, you don't believe Jesus God, first of all, I love you. Second, because I love you, I want you to know the fullness of truth, that Jesus is God. If you are eating the poison, well, first, I love you, but because I love you, I don't want you to eat poison. I don't want you to. When we teach the moral teachings of the church, it's not about just hitting people over the head with a hammer with our doctrine. It's about saying, we love, I love you, and what you're eating is poison. This is poisonous to your heart. It's poisonous to your soul. And so out of love, because we're united first in love, we want to be united in charity, in truth. And so we lead others to that same truth. Charity and charity always in truth. And so let's, let's pray about this in our own lives. First, in our own hearts and souls, have maybe through a little bit of laxity, has, have the weeds gotten into our own, the good fruit of our own spiritual lives? If so, then let's take whatever need, means we have to. But second, if we've fallen in any way into this party spirit in the church, then we must get back to charity and truth. That starts in our own community. That starts right here in our own parish. And then from that, it extends to all of the members of the church throughout the whole world. In a particular way, to the hierarchy, to our bishops, and to our priests. Uh, Cardinal O'Connor famously said, you know, it's so easy to criticize, he didn't say this, this is me leading up to Cardinal O'Connor saying, right? It's so easy to criticize our bishop and priest. This is a liberal bishop, that's a conservative bishop, that's a liberal pope, that's a conservative pope. He would say in the church, there's not liberal and conservative. There's faithful to Jesus Christ and those who are not. And so we shouldn't make these categories and just apply them like they're parties. No, no, no. We all are united in Jesus Christ. We want to be faithful to him. And in particularly with the hierarchy of the church, we pray for them, we love them, we listen to them. Uh, and that we allow them to lead us to Jesus. The devil sows confusion and division. Christ prays for unity. So let's join our Lord in that prayer for unity in the church, in our own community, and throughout the entire world.